When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Hey, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. Been a long day doing a bunch of stuff. As you know, I'm working on Dabble, working on the building. But I'm catching myself having to wait for Jameson because she's the skilled worker. And I just kind of muddle along in a lot of things. So when we paint, I'm not good at it i get to do the middle of the wall so there's a whole bunch of middle of the walls done and we have to wait for her so she I, can catch up i told you you're an azarian i'm an azarian we have three skill sets deactivation destruction demolition it's what we do while you are proficient at bringing things to life and planning things other than that we should leave the home repairs and the the, the, the building and the construction the beautification if you will of a building to someone who has more technical skill than we do which is almost everybody if someone could efficiently build something with legos they're better than we are and jamie is amazing she can make anything look good i can make most things work that's about the best i can give you well making it work is like half the battle but um a rust bucket gets you from a to b but i think most people would want to drive a brand new shiny car that has a nice paint job than a car with holes in the side of it and that's what i'm saying like you can make it work but you have to make it look good and make it work and that's what she's for Right, right. So uh, granted, she got a little bit of catch up because uh, this was one of our final weeks with Edible Landscape Project. Obviously, mm -hmm. we're we're here. We've had multiple frost here in Michigan. So the plants are about as dead as they can be. But now comes that next step. We got to remove them all from in front of the buildings and places. So uh, actually a pretty good sized group of people. I think we probably had eight or 10 people in a sleet storm where it was just kind of snowing, kind of raining, but definitely cold, out working and in Duran pulling these plants so we can wood chip them later back into the soil. Well, God bless those people, because I'll tell you what, a sleet storm, as you called it, I call it frosting. And what I mean by that is it, it won't stick to the ground unless it does it all day long. You're not going to see it, you know, cover your pavement or your grass. But if you're out there working in it, it is going to cover your hair. It's going to cover roofs of buildings that aren't that have like steel ropes, like a good example, like barns or like my chicken coop completely covered in snow by like nine o'clock this morning. Um it's gone now, but I went outside to let the dog out. Of course, she got the chain wrapped around a post. That was wonderful. So I, you know, waddle out there. And by the time I came in, I was covered. But look at the ground. It was like wet and soppy. Yeah, it was it was pretty nasty. And I was kind of surprised. I really thought it was going to be Lori, Jeff and I. And nope, in come more and a few more people, a few more people. And next thing you know, there's about 10 of us. There's about 10 of us out there. And it didn't take long to start pulling those plants, collecting all the pieces. We also recently received a very generous $400 donation from someone. That's awesome. I, I mean, really is. That's amazing. It's Don't get me wrong. All of us would love people just to give money away in that regard. But when someone really does make a, a sizable donation to a project that is new, that is wonderful. Well, for a project that has a $500 budget, a $400 donation is massive. 
It is. And, and the budget's, you know, provided by the city, right? So it's not like you guys have to raise funding for it. But now that you have extra funding, maybe you could you could do other things with it. You expand the, pro- the program, possibly. Yep. And we'll find out. We did a, a I say we let me specify Ken, our mayor, myself and Cameron, the city manager, along with Jeff. All of us got to go on a podcast, so hopefully I'll get that here pretty soon. When they email it to me, I'll add it to our page because we've got to talk about edible landscaping with the Michigan Downtown Association. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I seen, obviously I haven't heard the podcast yet, but I did see that Jeff posted on Facebook as a status update, that that was his first time on a podcast. So I'm very, very, very excited to listen to you guys, you know, have that conversation. And I already know how it's going to go. The people that are new to this kind of stuff are going to be like really excited to talk and not have a clue what to say. And then you're going to smooth things over like a hot peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> we, it, it went really well. We'll see how the editing comes out but everybody did a heck of a job uh good enough for us to get an invite so we're waiting to see but we got an invite from them to speak in march at their uh workshop yes that's amazing the topic is the uh the future downtowns so awesome we'll get you know we'll get together we'll create this half hour presentation and depending on how it goes hopefully that can make the site You know, depending on how many people you guys are going to be speaking to, I think it would be more beneficial to have a presentation and then do move to a Q&A afterwards because like you've experienced with all the things you've done with your city and the people in your community, there's going to be people that have questions, they're going to have doubts, and there's always going to be naysayers that need to be confronted in a positive, productive way in front of the crowd so they're forced to take in your information. You know, like it's not just one-on-one. They're going to be there. They're going to feel like they're empowered. They're going to feel like the people that are with them are in the same boat and the same mindset. So they're going to be willing to say, hey, I don't like this and this is why. And you can listen to what they're going to have to say. And, you know, maybe there's potential that those people might have actual, you know, reason, like real legit reasons to have doubts and come up with things maybe you guys haven't thought of yet or things that are unique things to their perspective communities either way i think that a q a would be awesome yeah we'll have to see how it goes it's their structure i just i'm just honored to be invited we even had this week a councilman from durand his wife wanted to get a hold of me and he was asking for any literature or any information we had because some one of their co-workers wants to start a program in their city yes it's amazing we, you know, I sent them the website. We've we've put everything. So everybody, listen. If you want to do it yourself, please do. The greeningyourlife.org webpage has all the information: the state of Michigan, Shiawassee County, some Genesee County, EPA standards. All that stuff is there, along with we're now building the lessons learned. So if you want a program, now is the time to start planning it and be so you're ready by next year. Please do. And if you have questions, let me know. I'd love to answer them. I really wish that they would do something like that here in Montrose. I My little podunk town that I love dearly is so, I, I'll just say dilapidated, I guess. It's it's gone. There's people that live here. There's actually, between the city and the township, there's quite a few people. I don't have an exact number. I think the last time the census was done was eight, nine years ago, and it was 1,600 in the city and 
another 18 or 1900, maybe even, you know, 2200 in the township, but there's nothing in the town. There's nothing, the community sports, nothing to really rally behind. Yes, there is a blueberry festival, which is great for the month of August. The month of August, it's it's killer. But when we bring in all these people to that come to the blueberry festival, whether they come to go to the festival or they come as a vendor to sell, or they are one of the, uh, you know, the, the fair people that come, like the food people or the people that do the rides, uh, there's nothing in the community for them to do you know we want them to spend their money in the town too we want it to be a net plus for the community and there's there's nothing there we have we are down to two bars that serve food we no longer have a restaurant currently open in montrose we do have fast food we have a mcdonald's a taco bell and a subway woot woot we have a giant grocery store which is wonderful but that's it there's there's nothing entertaining we don't have a bowling alley anymore there's no movie theaters there's there's an old foam museum we have the uh, the train depot which is a really interesting building but it, it there's nothing to do i guess is what i'm getting at there's no reason to go downtown we don't have anything that's really beautiful or it's worth talking about we do have a giant park you know barbara park is lovely and it's great if you want to play soccer or baseball or basketball and it's access to the lake or not lake i'm sorry to the flint river for fishing and whatnot but that's it. And that's not even in the city that's located in the township. So I would love to see programs like that happen here. Personally, I really would. Well, maybe one of these days I'll get an opportunity to do a sustainability assessment of, of Montrose. I don't like one of the things I keep trying to tell people is, is just because this worked in Durant doesn't mean it works everywhere. You have to look at your city and assess your city and, and look at what will do the job you want done. We wanted people walking downtown. We wanted to beautify our downtown area. And that's how this project was designed with that in mind. And it's and it's working. But other towns may have different attributes, may have different situations. And we have to assess that town, that downtown area and find what will get them that result. So if you're listening to this, it's not always, I'm not going to say carbon copy processes. You have to figure out what you want the end result to be. And then we create a sustainability project that meets it. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's how that works. Well, yeah, you have to have realistic expectations to what your town has versus what you think it can do. Like I'm sitting here talking about how I want a program in Montrose, and I'm the first one to tell you there's nothing downtown. Even there's hardly even a downtown. You know, it's the actual downtown of Montrose. This one strip of buildings, you know, on each side of M57. That's four or five buildings long each, and the one side's missing one in the middle because it burned down some years ago and they never rebuilt. And the right side, the two biggest buildings on the right side are, are well, I guess they on the right side if you're heading west they're they're empty they're vacant they've been empty for years so downtown we've got like barbershops and hair salons but there's nothing really entertaining no shops no cool little places to go shopping or to meet and have lunch or coffee or anything and and, and then to make that onto that there's nothing pretty we don't do anything for the holidays I, I don't know i just think that this town needs change and the more i talk about it the more i'm going to talk myself and they're trying to influence the change so i guess this is a good thing <laughs> well and see i'm excited because in duran We've gotten almost all the empty buildings filled. Now, granted, I filled one of them by buying it, but there's a lot of other ones for a long time there that were empty that are filling up. We're starting to get everybody in the community involved. The downtown beautification program is is winning. It's doing well. People are joining in and cleaning up the city. We've got Christmas lights. We've got flowers in the summer. There's a lot of things that are funded to make downtown look good. And now business owners are, are starting to clean up their properties. We're starting to find grants that pay 50% of painting your building. 
and making things just look better. So Heck it's yeah. amazing what a few little pieces to that puzzle that Jeff has been trying to push that boulder uphill for a long time. It's amazing what a few little pieces do to help it move forward and help it really get going. Well, it's, yeah, I agree. It is a few little pieces, but it's also the right person to see where those pieces have to go. I do believe you can have the greatest hardworking people in the world that, that try their darndest and, and do everything they can to make them things go the right way but if if they're trying the same things in the same ways constantly every year and they're making very little progress and and they have every right to be happy about the progress they've made but if they have someone that kind of thinks outside the box and looks at the problem a little differently they may never hit a stride where they make huge gains so i think that having some younger more um nuanced ways of thinking (laughs) is the only way i can really put this nicely uh in communities is a, it's a good shift. I think that you know to, to make things to make things good and last while honoring the past and preparing for the future. You get a little bit of old school, a little bit of new school. You know, it's if there's nothing, absolutely nothing in the world that's like remarkable about growing fruits and vegetables. It's remarkable in the sense that like it's beautiful and it's delicious. But like farming's been happening for hundreds of years. You're not reinventing the wheel. You're just finding better places to make it spin. I love answering people when they get a hold of me and go, "This," you know, they'll say something like, "This is amazing." And I, and I say, the amazing part is that you feel that way. Yes. All we're doing is growing food in public spaces and it's not rocket science. I'm a little ashamed of humanity that this is considered a big deal. We'll take it. We'll take that attention. We will continue to grow and we will continue to help more and more people. But think about that. All we did is take some public spaces and offer free food. That is it. Yeah. So actually, I didn't think I was going to have a transition into the show, but I think I can with where we're at. This week, I want to talk about something that is, I believe, in my heart to be very, very important for the next 20 years. And it is what happens to us, what happens to people after automation? Because you were just saying how about hard workers and all the people, you know, there's not there's not these people working in town doing all these wonderful things. Well, they can, but we have a lot of stumbling blocks to get over mentally before we, before we can all volunteer on a regular basis in our Mm -hmm. towns and cities. And some of that is tied exact right to what we're about to talk about. And I might get a little emotional because this is something that is near and dear to me because I think it's, it is so very important. It can help or hinder our society, our country, And it's a very short window in the next 20 years. I'm glad you actually said the word stumbling blocks mentally, because I had, I've been prepping for this show for weeks and I've been excited about it. And I was like, this is what we're going to talk about. I'm going to hit it like this. I'm going to hit it with that. I'm going to say this. And I was super stoked. And then I started thinking about it, like really deep diving on my own thoughts. And I completely changed my perspective on it. Ultimately it's the same thing, but it's just not going to be as, uh, as, smooth of a transition as I I have in my fantasy world. I think that we have a long way to go. I think that it's a rocky road. It's going to be, it's going to be bumpy before it's smooth, but I think that if it's handled right to where we can kind of mitigate stress and minimize the complications, maybe load up on the Xanax in its many forms, I think that it's going to be the greatest benefit for, um, for our country. And then later on the world. Well, and I'll tell you right now, when I have this conversation, this specific conversation, I mean globally, because not making the correct changes, not getting our mindset right could really hurt a lot of people. Absolutely. 
it can really cause issue. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we will get back to some other home style topics. I think we're doing house plants next week. So we will get back to some other stuff that isn't quite such a macro scale, but this is an important topic. It, automation of jobs is already happening, has already happened for the last 10 years. And just in case some people are wondering, it could have already happened in a lot of places that haven't already. A lot of companies aren't making the change to automation purely because of PR. It is cheaper for them. The equipment exists, and I'll use McDonald's as the example or fast food restaurant change. They have zero reason to have a person take cash. Zero. Kiosks exist. We all know how to push the buttons. We can see the pictures. We know what you know what a pickle looks like. We can build our own burger, and then it just comes out with a number on it. You know that one's ours. There's even machines to cook it. So the uh, and don't get me wrong, they've already started using them. When they fill a soda, that's all done automatically. There's a certain amount of weight of ice that hits that cup. It moves over in in line. Whatever that order is, that's the fluid that goes in it. The only thing a person does is put a top on it and hand you a straw. See, the one thing that, that you haven't touched on, which I'm kind of amazed about, and Grant, you've only been talking for 30 seconds, so it's early for me to butt in, but here I am, <laughs> is all this technology, not only does it exist, but it has actually existed for decades. Now, what is new is the ability to program the AI to run it, but really it's just a series of numbers, just algorithms in certain orders, things have to be put in. But if you look at all the stuff you can buy at the grocery store, the pre-made, the processed, the frozen burger patties, these machines already exist. So all we're talking about is a smaller version for a prospective small business versus a huge scale like you'd have in a factory. So you're talking about, I think right now there's a startup that I've been seeing advertised for, I think over a year now called Miso Electronics that is devised a robotic arm that flips burgers. It's meant, to it's meant to replace your short order cook. You know, it's not meant for like the McDonald's, but it's meant for the Coney Island down the road or the small diner. And I think they start like $150,000 for this unit, but it's kind of like a food Roomba. Like it's got two units. The bottom of it cleans the floor. The top of it flips food, drops fries. You just have to program where everything is. Like you had to go through and program into the system and the perspective uh, robot, your kitchen parameters, where everything is. And then you keep the thing stocked and it goes to work. Yeah. And again, this stuff is already there. A lot of companies want to make that jump. I kind of feel like, and I'm going purely on speculation, this worker shortage situation kind of opens the door, if everybody believes it's true, to automating a lot of these things. Now, real quick, before we get too far into this, why in the heck are we talking about automation and sustainability in the same show? We have to, because in order to be sustainable as a planet, as a nation, as a town, we have to have healthy people. We have to have a good quality of life. And right now, at least in the United States and many other countries, finances kind of dictate what our life is like. And I'm not sure there's a lot of countries out there that don't see currency as the driver of their quality of life. When automation takes over full tilt, and I don't mean because there's a lot of different kinds of robots, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. There won't be jobs. There won't be a lot of jobs. And I know there's a lot of people out there going, not my job. Well, I can tell you as an engineer, my job's on that list. There's an Oxford study that is 10 years old that gives you the percentage of chance of you losing your job to automation over the next 20 years. You would be shocked to see because 
not only can they tell you roughly the percentage of chance, but they can also tell you how and why. And things you don't necessarily expect, for example, you've probably read articles completely written by AI. Oh, they're hilarious. A, well, there's you, there's the practice ones you see where they're teaching the AI. Those are funny. You'll see the obituary that sounds like a celebration. But there are currently thousands of bots that are showing up in all of your news, all of your online publications that you can't tell the difference. Oh, you can tell the difference. I, I can tell you how to tell the difference. Their spelling is perfect. Their sentence structure is perfect. If you actually go through and read articles written by people nowadays that, that work for Yahoo or work for AOL or work for Google, but they write everything off their iPhone, they'll, you'll find messed up sentences, words that are spelled wrong, or just the total wrong word altogether. And it's embarrassing to go through my feed on Google because I have an Android. And I, I, I'm always reading stuff about cryptocurrencies or like things about whales. And it's just whatever, you know, you know, the algorithms, whatever you like, it just feeds you more. Right. So my echo chamber is, uh, you know, getting rich on a, a pipe dream, which is never going to happen. And then learning about how much food blue whales eat, which is amazing. When you read those articles, like, wow, this is really well written. And then you're like, oh, there's no author. That, that's a reason for that. Then you go to read another one and it's like, this is Bob from blah, blah, blah. And there's like 17 errors in it. And I'm not talking about citing the information. I mean, he just spelled the word there wrong. Right, right. So I, you can tell. I mean, and I'm sure that that's not necessarily intentional. I'm sure these people don't put their worst workout on purpose. I think maybe they should put a final draft instead of a rough draft out, but that's just me. I think the, and I did, I said the bots are funny because I love those things where they they'll force, uh, uh, they'll just feed like all the information from like a whole series into a bot. And then they, they force it to write a story based on all the information took in. Those things are funny. They're very funny. <laughs> yes. Those are, those are undeveloped bots and you're right. They're freaking hilarious. But what we have to understand is that these things all exist because right now, and I'm going to speak about the United States because I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough. So ladies and gentlemen, if you've got information that can help me, please send it my way. But a lot of people in the United States, social justice is separated by income ratios. A lot of people's self-worth is tied to either what they do or the income they bring in. Your livelihood comes from that. You, your ability to survive in the United States is primarily based on your job and how well it pays you. So it is exceptionally important that we look at this well in advance, even though we're a little behind already, I, I believe, to prepare for what happens when we don't need people to do jobs. I actually, you can boil all that down a little simpler and just say that a person's priorities in their life, personal and professional, are based solely around their income. And I think that when you... Like it's okay. Statistically, people that have less are usually more willing to give. The mm -hmm. more poor you are, you're, you're so used to being in need or in want of something. You usually are more than willing to share when you have an abundance of something. Or if so, you have something that you really don't need, but someone really does need it, people tend to be more giving when they have less, which is a really weird fact and kind of sad. Um, on the flip side of that being that when you when you want for less, when you have more money, when, you, when you're more comfortable in your financial situation, you tend to worry about things less and you tend to refocus your 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 priorities on other other parts of your life and sometimes given the individual could be really good for other people and then other people could not be so good at just 
you know, it's going to ch- depend on the individual basis and there's nothing you can do about that. But I would say when it comes to automation, I, before, you know, the last couple of days, I thought automation's great. People aren't going to have to have these soul sucking jobs and they can focus on things they want and love and they can have a, they can have a hobby. And I thought it was going to be like this beautiful utopia. And then I started to think about it and it would take a solid generation that I have to two generations to ever get to that. Only because, and obviously I'm just some guy running my mouth in my basement. Like, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist, but I would assume that for a lot of people, that soul sucking job they've had for 25 years that pays their bills, that subconsciously in their mind is their purpose for being like, they get up every day, they go to that job. That's how they, they earn the money. That's how they make the bacon. That's how they, they pay for that roof over their head, that belly full of food. And, and that actually means something like at a real deep like i'm talking like evolutionary speaking like it means something in your brain psychologically you need to have a purpose something that drives you forward and if you don't have that if you become lost if you become like a wayward person that just goes and you know just kind of like goes everywhere because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing in life you become destructive either to yourself or to other people and i don't mean fiscally destructive i don't mean personally or physically i just mean in general you start making bad decisions because you don't have a set guideline of what you're supposed to do you don't have a direction your life is supposed to go so i think that the first generation affected with automation if not prepped properly could be really bad now i think it's something it's one of those you know the nights always gets darkest before the dawn i think that it's going to be something we're going to have to tackle if you want to get to where we want to see everything because i do think it's inevitable and i do think it's coming and i do think in most cases it's needed because those soul-sucking jobs suck literally it's in the name soul-sucking job ssj crap sorry i I told you i was gonna go crazy on this one (laughs) well and this is something i tend to get worked up about too because the reason why we're held back or the reason why this is a problem is 80 percent political rhetoric for too many years we've sold the concept of no matter how bad the job is you can have pride in the job because you're a hard worker that makes you a good person so if you work 60 hours for almost nothing at least you're a good person you didn't bring home a check but you brought home respect from everybody else well generation after generation after generation you know where they love to call people unskilled labor and i'm going to tell you something right now the one thing i know is that i'm probably the only unskilled laborer that i know anybody who does a labor job and i'm going to give a good example right now i am trying to build a building a commercial building and i am not a builder Okay. I can do, I I can wire things up. I can get some networks going. I can, I can write the website. I can do a lot of things, but I can't properly hang a dry erase board. I could probably get it up there, but it's probably coming back down. This is a thing that we've done to people. We've made them feel a certain way to keep them going to those, as you call soul sucking jobs, the bad job, and they don't even need to do them. Well, they, they don't. I have a lot of things to say to what you just said, so I'm going to try to make this as painless for everyone as possible. Okay, we're going to start with you and electricity. Uh, your wife sent me a video, and, and I, I watched it, and I thought it was funny. In fact, I recorded it to my phone. It'll be on TikTok in a couple of days. I'm happy to see you didn't die. This wasn't like a Carpenter Road thing where you're trying to like change a, a light switch with or an outlet with a screwdriver, and you're getting fried every time, and you just keep sticking it back in there. <laughs> Um, okay, so, real quick, couple of things on that one. They everybody kept saying it was off. Then they'd run back out and bring another fuse. To be fair, I didn't do it because it was fun over and over again. I did it because I didn't know it was still on. As for this one, those batteries have been there for seven years. Who would have thought they haven't discharged? 
Uh, well, I would say anyone that they're almost the size of a car battery. And if the building hasn't been frozen, I guess that makes sense why they haven't discharged. Anyways, yet now that's been said, I don't believe there is generally a thing as unskilled labor. I think that any job that you do is a, is a skill. You, you learn a skill set for a prospective job. And I am very often the person that picks apart certain ways of the way people speak. I don't like general terminologies that don't actually mean the way they're taking it bugs that all get out of me it drives me crazy because the people argue about a topic and they don't get anywhere because one side is arguing the actual meaning of the words and the other side is arguing the inferred meaning of the words and so they're they're literally just talking at each other and and it's that whole six versus nine argument it's it's just ridiculous so there's a very small statistical amount of people that have a low IQ, the low enough IQ that they can't actually do any job in this country. It's like 10 or 12%. It's not a lot. There's so many different jobs that, that are soul sucking jobs, but until they're automated, we do need people to do them. Now, in regards to what you said about uh, the politics and all of that stuff, I, I know that that for sure is true. I will say, though, there is one aspect of it that I do agree with. I do believe that if you're going to dedicate your time to doing something, you should do it right. If you're going to decide to do it, do it. Do a good job. Shine. Make sure you're the best one that does it. And then while you're kicking the, the crap out of that performance, look for something better. Don't just say, well, this is where you, you got to hang your hat for 20 years. No, just do a great job. And then look, look for something that's better. That's going to be more painless. That it's going to pay you more. I am full support of a soul sucking job if they pay you for it. I mean, if it, if it, if, it, if you hate your job, if you like, you work at an assembly plant and you despise working on the line, but it pays for everything else in your life that you love and you can handle that mental stress of in your head. If the juice is worth the squeeze, you do you. I am not going to tell you that you're stupid for doing it. I'm just telling you that I'm a big baby and I'm not one of those people. Yeah, there's certain things I just don't like doing. But today's world is built on STEM. One of the reasons why I like having a small STEM company helping kids with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics is because the whole world runs on it. On top of the fact the United States has defunded education for so long that we're now 24th in STEM topics. 24th in the world in science and mathematics. So if you're not preparing for science and mathematics and technology to take over, what what's going to happen? We have this big gap, huge gap from what we're teaching to what we're going to need. Well, I don't really want to get into conversation about what we're teaching although i do think it's something for another episode because i do think that that's a whole can of worms that you guys are not ready to hear me complain about but i do believe that the the way people look at life and i understand in this country especially it's very driven by money is backwards in my opinion i think that most people look at life they they, they set a goal and they work hard for that goal and they get through like well what's next well the goal shouldn't be to to have things don't get me wrong. I have a lot of things, but I think that the goals in life should be to meet certain people, to have certain experiences, to learn something new, to diversify your soul, to just expand your horizons in ways that maybe you never thought were possible. Not because someone told you that you couldn't do it, but because you never considered that you could. And those are not the same things. They are not the same things. 
And I think that the soul sucking jobs lead to one. They, they definitely lead you down a path of never considering the possibilities for yourself. And I can tell you, there's lots of things that I know now that I could do that no one ever actually told me I couldn't do. I just never considered it. I never considered that I thought I could do that. I thought only certain people could do it. But then when I thought about that, well, what are those certain people? I didn't have an answer for myself. There was nothing that makes them any better than me or me any better than them. We're all humans. We're all individuals. We're all just souls trying to find our way in this messy, crazy, screwed up world. And I think that if we can make life more efficient, you know, maybe improve people's financial situation. And if nothing else, if nothing else, make their day suck a little less. I think we all be better off. Well, one of my favorite quotes, Horace Mann, be ashamed to die until you've won some victory for humanity. I like that. It took me a long time in life before I started to focus more on the greater good than than what I needed for me or my family or what you know we want, we need, we're consuming this, we're consuming that. It took a lot of sustainability classes before I started realizing that I'll tell you there's not a single thing out there I can buy that makes me feel better than the edible landscape project. That's amazing. And I I only ate maybe five or six pieces of vegetables from out there so i didn't get a lot of stuff but we gave a ton three to four hundred pounds of vegetables to everybody else it it's that fulfillment if everybody could find that fulfillment we we get we we jump in leaps and bounds because right now we're still looking at our jobs we're still looking at our income or the things we can get as who we are i know a lot of people who will not keep a butter dish as Tupperware because if they take that to work with, with food in it, people are going to make fun of them. It's still a perfectly fine Tupperware piece. It's still something that will keep food fresh. It will keep it safe. It will take it from point A to point B. But we still have that consumer side that says, I'll be embarrassed. Well, if you're not working in this country, no matter good or bad job, they do what they can to embarrass you. It's a ridicule. And that is, first of all, not acceptable. And at this point, no longer productive because companies cannot continue to pay us to do a job they don't need us to do. It doesn't, and, and this goes globally. No matter mm-hmm. what company you're in, I know there's a whole mess of people in the United States that want to shut down the borders and pretend like the rest of the world doesn't live there. Here's the deal our companies won't compete. They just absolutely will not have the ability to compete in business in any way, shape, or form without being part of the global community. They have to be able to do the same as other companies. Unfortunately, the money world of business is built on infinite profitability. Well, you can't continue to become more profitable with a labor force. Well, eventually there's nothing left to take. Right. After a while. And then you can buy this computer. You can buy this machine for $50,000 that does three shifts of work without a bathroom break, without the need of the lights being on, without a without calling in sick. And that's all long before healthcare. The fact is, is that it is cheaper and these businesses want to do it. It's just a matter of getting us the rest of the way through. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times we have political leadership or the rhetoric has filtered down to us so deeply that we can't allow that change to be made. And that's that's the mentality. That's something that has to change in humanity. We cannot dictate who we are based on what someone told us to do. We have to do what is in our heart and be able to live where it's, we consider ourselves the smartest animal on this planet, but we're still the only ones who pay to live here. 
I think that people should follow their heart and they should strive for purpose and, and understanding and acceptance of belonging and, and a reason to go on. But I think they have to actually learn what that is. And not everyone is the same. Most people that have been sold that bill of goods that wasn't really goods, it was poison for 30 or 40 years, are really going to struggle doing that. I talk to people almost every day. They keep telling me that like what I'm doing in the way I'm doing it is great, but I'm going to burn myself out. I'm going to burn myself out. And they don't, they don't seem to understand that like for me, with, with the business that I'm currently in, I've been doing it for other people, burnt out doing it for other people for years. I'm finally doing it for me. And it's, it's different. It's given me a new lease on it, a new purpose, a new perspective, and it's given me fuel to, to burn. I've, I've got, I've got more irons in the fire now than I have in a long time. And I'm happy to burn them. I don't, I don't get angry. I don't get sick of actually having to do stuff. The adoption of responsibility is a pathway to a meaning of life. When you choose to take care of something and, in, in this case, I mean yourself. That's a responsibility. You have a responsibility to yourself. And, and I don't think you're doing it justice when you go to the job that makes you sick to your, your stomach. Like if you've got to go to the bar every Friday when you get paid to drink and get hammered because you hated Monday through Friday at work, that's a problem. And that's a huge demographic in this country. If you've got to, if you've got to smoke weed and get high to, before you do anything else in the day. To get through your day, that's a problem. I'm not knocking alcohol or marijuana use. You do you. But I am saying that if you need a substance to make your life tolerable, that's an issue. And that's kind of what we're talking about. It's it's There's more to life than that. There's more to life than just existing. And I am not wired for that kind of existence, Mr. Nazarian. <laughs> I am not wired for the soul-sucking job that pays my bills. I, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. It's an actual fear. I look at being in a, in a job like that like a cage. Hey, cages suck. Prisons don't feed you. I don't want to get skinny because I'm not being fed. I like food. <laughs> well, and I don't but, think you're the only one that feels that way. No, everyone likes food. No, no I meant the whole cage oh, thing. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I just I look at automation as taking the shackles off humanity. And the best way I can explain this is when you have an animal that's been raised in captivity and someone tries to re release it to the wild, it's probably not going to do well. Now, when they when you release an animal that was raised in captivity into like one of those nature preserves where technically it's technically still captivity, but they have so much land that there's no other interaction with humankind. If you ever watch that, they don't know what to do. When you take automation to a factory and you, you either take these people's jobs away or you change them drastically, maybe to something way simpler like maintenance where they don't really have, it's not like a nine to five. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to have a clue. And, and this could go really well and it could go really bad. That's, um, that's why I was just kind of being the devil's advocate here as, as Rob likes to call me because there is two sides to every coin and you have to look at them both. And I am terrified for the mental well-being of some of these people now their children or grandchildren not nearly as terrified if you're raised in a world with different sets of standards and you're not programmed like that you're obviously going to have an easier and a better life at least mentally it's going to be way better for you well and that's a good analogy is because it is true we have in in some case been kept in captivity we grew up with the idea that you do a job we have been programmed or taught that that is our job and it isn't. The moment I spent the week and a half at, in Hawaii and the world just kind of disappeared, I would love to just do what I want to do. Hence the reason why we're doing this show, then uh, Dabble's existing, all these things that we're building so that maybe someday I can also just do what I want to do. I would love to go from city to city and help them with sustainability planning projects. I would love to get Dabble up and running, be able to teach kids STEM and do the things that will help society a heck of a lot more than some of these normal jobs. 
it is challenging to break that mindset sometimes, but you're right. Our kids will, but we have to wait for the kids, kids, kids to get into government to allow those changes to make. Because right now we're regulating AI. We're regulating how many pieces of machinery companies can have because they have to maintain so many jobs. And that day is going to end. And if we don't plan ahead along with the countries planning ahead, it's Pitchfork City. Well, I think it is. I think that, like I said, there's, this is one of those things where if it's not handled correctly, we'll turn into a witch hunt. But on the on the flip side of it, you talked about Hawaii. Like, I, we live in one of the most beautiful states in the country we're in. Michigan is gorgeous. Yes, there's things that we don't like. Yes, there's bad areas. But in terms of wildlife and wilderness and lakes and water and waterfalls and caves, like, there's a lot here. We got a lot going on. We also have crappy winter, so we can't do it all year round. But there's a lot here. And I'm ashamed to say that I've only ever seen a very small percentage of it. I wasn't until I went to my on my honeymoon that I ever went to Mackinac Island. And I'm only saying that because there is going to come a day in my future someday before I kick the bucket that that's what I want to do. I want to get up every single day, not have to worry about punching a time clock, not have to worry about moving my day around because I have to be to work at two. I want to be able just to get up one day and say, you know, what? I'm going to surprise my wife with a cruise. We're going to do this. I mean, there are so many, and I know anyone that listens to sustainability. I know that the word cruise just give you the shutters and I'm really sorry, but the idea is that I, I want to experience life. I want to be able to, to, you know, maybe experience a little bit of luxury, but mainly just experience. I want to experience experience, if that makes any kind of sense. And, and, and what I mean by that is I want to make trying new things such a regular part of my life that I don't miss out on the, the actual thing I'm doing because I'm too wrapped up with the way I feel. Like the best way I can explain this is you go to a concert, people are taking pictures and filming it with their phone. They're not actually looking at the concert. They're right in front of a a huge superstar and they're staring at them through their screen because they want to talk about it later. No, put the phone away. You're at a concert. Experience that. Experience someone else's talent and passion firsthand. Let it flow through you. You should feel on this planet like you are non-existent. I'm, I could talk for hours about it. Like I want to have a fulfilled life. I want to live and do things and and be happy and and not die with you know the word potential on my tombstone. Right now, the system is set up that the moment you become of working age. You've started working a little bit beforehand to practice. And then once you become of working age, you do that until 67 years old. You do that into 67 years old. And it used to mean you would have a retirement of some kind, either through your work or through the the federal government. They've broken that social contract. So now I'll be the first generation that ends up at the end that it's questionable. Well, that social contract, anyone that has a brain was questionable anyways. Well, there used to be a feeling that government's jobs were to take care of the individuals. Now we have some people with some harebrained schemes that that government should run like corporations, which is laughable at best. And now we've left people out in the world more <laughs> okay. and more and more. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a jerk, so bear with me on this one because it's coming out mean. It's coming out hard. The government's job to take care of people really is a facade for saying we want you to dedicate your life thirty plus years, forty years to a job. And then we're going to take that job away because you're too old. We're going to give you pennies for all the money you paid in. We're going to give you chunk change while you find the next 15 years of your life pointless because we didn't give you anything to replace it with. That's my point. Yes, Social Security exists, and that's wonderful for the people that need it. But the fact of the matter is people that spend 30 years at a job or 40 years or 50 years of their whole life working their, their hind end off, 
because they think they're supposed to, and they hate their job just to get out and be at the end of being the winner of their life and not be able to really enjoy anything or physically do anything because now the government is barely giving them enough to get by. Screw that. That's what I mean. I'm angry about it. I think that it's just, it just sucks. That's that whole system is broken. The whole system is broken. They sold a bad bill of goods and people still believe it. Well, because there was at least, I think there was two generations that received it. The fact is, is that we have to break that mental cycle because first of all, it isn't going to be our choice. Okay. Robots are coming. And I don't mean like someday. I mean, they're here. <laughs> and I don't mean Skynet. I mean <laughs> for jobs. Because 46% of businesses who went to the World Economics Forum said they are actively looking to greatly reduce their headcount. Of course they are. The United States is, you know, way we're short 10 million workers. The fact is they're using that number so they can start automating processes. If you go into McDonald's here into Duran, you have one young lady working at the front counter and three kiosks. Your option is stand in that line or just order immediately. She's there purely to make a certain segment of people feel better. That's it. Well, it, it's the same thing when you go into Walmart and you have you have two cashiers and then you have 20 lanes, two cashiers, 20 lanes and like six or seven self checkouts. And people just pump through the self checkouts. And I used to really hate going through, through self checkout. And I still do, but not because I'm checking out myself. It's because I think they're programmed poorly and I get really annoyed with really bad automation. It drives me crazy. I mean, if you're going to automate it, at least make me feel like I'm talking to something that has a brain. And, and I say that only because those machines for how many years now you put, it has your total there. You put a, a bill in that's bigger. It gives you your change back. It does all the math itself. And then you leave. It's not like, like I said, this is not new technology, not new in the sense that people think it is. It's been there and little bits here and there for a long time you know so those giant factories that made all your food that you buy your tv dinners i mean it's not like there's a little family out there making like hungry man tv dinners that are like they only have so much output there's factories that do this kind of stuff same thing with like those oh what are they called i think they're michelinas is the brand name it's like they're like 99 cent or a dollar 25 little tv dinners they're hot garbage like they're, they're worse than ramen but they're dirt cheap because the, fa- the factory has like zero overhead they just pump them out all day long and and if you look at the way fast food is done now fast food the idea of most fast food places is designed around the assembly line where most of it's already automated anyways there's literally people are just there for things that they haven't been able to get an efficient enough robot to take the place of so you talked about like the beverages you know Lots of those places, yeah, have got a convertible under it. You punch in the name of the size, the little thing turns, large cup comes down, hits the belt, it goes over, ice comes down, it goes over again. So many ounces of beverage go in there. Then it goes to the end of the human, puts the lid on it, gives you a straw and says, thank you very much, have a lovely day. Yep. It, it, it exists. It's there. It's coming. And me being in food, I am not concerned with it because I've never worked in fast food. It doesn't have anything to do with what I do right now. And I would love, 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 love to like to have a robot someday. And just before I go home, start punching in commands, any of this and this prep by this and this kind of portion of this, this size. And oh my God, the dude, the consistency is a dream. Just <laughs> and go, the reduction bloop. of waste. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And then I come in the next day and it's all in the, in the computer or not computer. It's all on the walk-in, neatly labeled and everything. And, oh, it's, it'd be amazing. There's already cleaning bots. We know that. You can get one for your house. You, there's at least uh, robot vacuums. You're seeing larger versions of it that are commercial now. When I went to Italy 
at one of the production plants that I went to, they had a fleet of robot lawnmowers that were out constantly mowing the lawn. Those things are awesome. Absolutely. I'm not a fan of mowing the lawn. I'd love it to come out every day and do a little bit each day. Almost everything in the service industry. You can go to a Lowe's now in Vegas and a robot will meet you at the door and you have a personal assistant with a screen on his chest so that if you need to punch in to look for something, you can. And if you need to find it, it takes you to it. That's amazing. If you go to, and correct me if I'm wrong, if a listener knows better, but I'm pretty sure it's in Japan. There's vending machines for pizzas. You just pick what you want on it. It literally bakes the pizza and kicks it out for you. You just pay and you've ordered a pizza. There is, you've talked about the cooking in the kitchen stuff, the the things that are already in the food industry. Reporters, there are bots that scrub Facebook for events and then send it to a reporter. Soon, it will just report, since we already have bot writers. Mm-hmm. You have bookkeeping systems that are completely automated. I know manufacturing. We do a lot with vision eyes and stuff like that. There's a lot of robotic arms. We're now picking up full trucks, setting them down. It's very simple with the robotics. You have delivery services in, and I don't remember, I, I still think it's Vegas also where they have the Domino's pizza robot that you can okay, order. That I don't know. And it just seriously just dry. It a, looks like a little, go-kart or maybe a golf cart it has your pizza in it three quarters of the way cooked it finishes cooking while it's in it and drives it to you you just go out swipe your id it opens up your thing for your pizza (laughs) i can never have one of those near me i'd die i would die of diabetes and a heart attack so quick the military the thin thin crust struggle would be real (laughs) the military i'm sure you've seen boston dynamics robots that you see on facebook all the time the one that looks like a dog those are now integrated into the military oh, they yeah, no they longer send a those forever well and boston dynamics is amazing you ever see the video online where they're they were trying to teach the robot its balance so what they did is they let it wander around the office and everybody who's working there knew that if you saw the robot push it kick it trip it throw something in front of it, make it learn. So this thing just wandered around an office space that people kept throwing staplers at it. Something tells me that's how the first Terminator is going to get built. Okay. You <laughs> talked about Skynet, maybe not bullying. The first AI is a good idea. <laughs> so, okay, I'm done with the jokes. These robots that they've created now at Boston dynamics are so effective. They now work in the military. So you no longer send a person into the building that, that could explode. You send the robot. So it doesn't matter. Taxis, self-driving cars. There's a chunk of vehicles out there by Whammo that don't even, or Whammo, I think it's Whammo, don't have a steering wheel. You get in them, it's a pod. Two seats face in, two seats face in. You're just staring at the person across from you, and the vehicle takes you wherever you need to go. So because of my, uh, my, my, I guess you'd call it programming, the way we were raised, that terrifies me because I'm a human. So I'm very much into the idea of being in control. And most pe- and people, they don't think they're control freaks. You really are. You just don't have, you've never, ever lost control over the things that you have control over. So it, it, you're just, we fear what we don't understand. And so the idea of a vehicle driving me somewhere that has no visible driver. And really that's ultimately what it is because it's really not that different than going in public transit. You face people on the bus or the train all the time. It's not like you're 
and you know not used to talking to people while you're, you're riding but you you can see the driver you know he's there so you you feel more comfortable or like a train it's straight there's not going to be a stop sign every quarter mile you're not turning you're not doing all it's just like one line so i think that not having that control or just that safety net security blanket of seeing the driver would be really like nerve-wracking for me well same thing with truck drivers so right now in the united states there are automated truck drivers or automated trucks driving the roads. They just put a person in the driver's seat because places like Ann Arbor where they test, it's illegal because it freaks people out to see an empty vehicle driving along. So it, right now you have to have a human who just sits there and watches the computer do its thing. But there is already, as we speak right now, automated trucks going from place to place back and forth, get, picking up loads, dropping off loads, and coming back. Well, it's like, I'm going to reference pop culture here, but like in the movie Transformers, the I think it's the first one. Yeah, it opens up and they're at the airfield, and there's the uh, the helicopter that lands, and there's the hologram of the human pilot. And I always wonder, like, why are they doing that? It's a Transformer. Like, it doesn't need a pilot. And then it dawned on me, oh, so people, other people don't freak out and doesn't give up their, their disguise. But really, ultimately, that's kind of the same thing. I mean, it, you have a driver in a vehicle that doesn't need to be there just so people aren't like, oh, my God, it doesn't cause mass panic because the average person is not ready for it yet. It's not it's not a regular part of our life. You know, once it becomes day to day and becomes something that's been integrated into our day to day lives, then things will be a little easier. There, it's a much easier transition when it's, you know, 80 percent of the people around you are doing it or used to it. It's not a big deal. It's kind of like when they, they, they implement these um, these policies and these things in giant cities where there's lots of people to see how they're going to work before they start sticking them out in the boonies in the countries with a bunch of rednecks that have guns. I hate to say it, but that's it. I, I said it. Um, well, I mean, now we tent windows and things. There's ways to kind of hide it. It's everywhere. Just so you know, <laughs> automation is everywhere. You want it to succeed, it can't take people's livelihood. Here's the deal. If you want automation to succeed, then it has to be a freeing experience for the citizen. It cannot be it took its livelihood because then it becomes man versus machine. Then it becomes a fight. But if you find a way, if you find a way, and some countries are talking about taxing every company based on a robot that replaces a person to be able to produce enough funding to pay back to people to make sure that they have a good life. And I don't know what that answer is quite yet, but if you can make that machine create a life for a person that does not have to sit there and work their hands to the bone for 60 plus years because some people now they they work till they die and if you if it can be a freeing situation they'll people will embrace it then they will not embrace it if it is throwing them out into the cold i i think that i think for people to embrace change like this it needs to be done slowly and as you're 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 doing it you need to be replacing that fear with confidence in it also with like the older folks that, that are used to having life a certain way that needs to be handled with, with compassion and understanding. So you, you can say it's your blue in the face and explain it to people that are young and understand that times are changing and they're going to get it. And that's going to be great, but you really have to find ways to package things for the older generations that are acceptable and that they're not met in a combative manner. You can't just blanket things and treat people like they're the same because it doesn't work because people are not the same demographics and, and, and age groups aren't even the same. 
same. You're not the same person you were a year ago, and you're going to be a different person a year from now. Ultimately, yes, you're Michael. But when when you get to that that part of your life, when you get to the winter of your life, you're going to look back and you're going to be a multitude of Michaels of different experiences and ages and things that you understood. And if you're lucky, you'll have all your memories of all the different perspectives you had at different times. That's what I call the human experience. Humans are really amazing in that aspect as an animal on this planet. We're not just one person. We are a multitude of individuals throughout our life. You know, we get the opportunity to make a mistake and say, I was wrong and change your perspective. We can do that. And there's nothing else that can. I just think that I think you need to interject and cut me off here. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot of discussion right now. And I want to, I want to say this stat and then speak directly to certain people Uh, in the United States, 40 million jobs are probably going to be lost from the last year through the next year, about 42% of, of jobs that were unfilled during COVID will not come back. There's been a 26% climb in funding to these machines since early, as soon as COVID hit, they were already looking. Okay. The fact of the matter is a lot of these jobs won't be here. So with that being said, I want to talk to any single person who has a position in government of any kind. And if you're, if you've been listening to us, maybe you're even thinking about running, understand this. We have to change what we are doing for people. Everything we do has to be designed for people. Jobs can be done by robots. Things that are horrible that we don't want people to suffer through. Don't People don't need to suffer through those. It's going to take leaders. It's going to take people in positions of leadership in government to get this moved forward and get it so that we don't lose a whole generation lost because we thought they should work harder or some other asinine comment about humanity. This is an opportunity for us to start working towards becoming human and not just an ant farm. This is an opportunity where people can wake up every day and decide what the heck they're going to do today. And I know there's people out there who say, if you don't have a purpose, you're going to be lazy. Well, then be damn lazy for a minute, because I know what's going to happen afterwards. You're going to volunteer in your city. You're going to volunteer in your town. You're going to help walk kids to school. You're going to find things to do because humans get bored. You're going to start a business. You're going to do something. I need every single politician on this planet to hear that. Now, they won't. So if you know someone, share it to them. But the fact (laughs) of the matter is we have to get them to do their part. The rest of us don't get to make those decisions. They do. It's high time that at least in this government, in this country, we quit playing team sports and say, I have to do what blue team says, or I have to do what red team says. It's time for individuals to actually stand up and do what's right for and for people. And that is exceptionally important right now. Well, it's always been important. The problem is that most people, I shouldn't say most people, but there hasn't been enough people to realize that until now. And I do believe it's, you know, better now than never and better late than never. It's time for a change. It's time to embrace change. Just imagine, and before I before I shut us down for this episode, just imagine a life in which you wake up and you do what you want. I don't mean just for the day because you have the weekend off or because your weekend is a Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, in general, you can study anything, do anything, help anyone, and it doesn't threaten your existence. You're not risking your family. You're not risking your own life. You're just choosing to do something today. And I think that when we can get to that point with humanity, social justice and a lot of these other things that we have to fight about on a regular basis, 
they just get solved. When you take the money out of the equation and you don't have tiers of humanity, we can just be people. And for the first time, humans can be humans with a solid quality of life. It's not a bad idea and it's not a tough outlook, but it would take a ton of leadership because right now the world is focused on income, money, who's better than who, who get, who deserves getting this, who deserves getting that. In case anybody's wondering, the answer is everyone, no matter who you are. So that's all we had for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode where apparently both Nick and I just kind of went off for a full hour. We'll see how You're much welcome. <laughs> we'll see how much stays in the show. Again, I we really do want to stress the importance of this. And next week we'll get back to some lighter stuff talking about house plants and how they help in the home. But if you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, preferably someone in government. Or just post it on social media and see where it goes. Recently, I want to thank every single listener. All of a sudden, we've about doubled our listenership kind of overnight. So thank you all. We really appreciate it. That means people are sharing. People are showing other people this show. We're being heard. Although humbling for us because we laugh and we joke about, boy, our voices all over the world right now. It is an amazing thing. We're humbled. We love. Thank you so very much for all that you're doing for us, really. So if you want to support us, keep sharing, keep doing those things. It really is great for us. If you want to help us in other ways, obviously you can go to the Anchor site. There's the sustainer. We have several people who have started doing that that shows that there's value in what we're doing. Thank you. Kind of helps us keep going and be able to keep doing this show. Or something we haven't seen in a long time, leave us a five-star review. Go on to Apple, leave a five-star review. I can always go back to those because you guys have said some amazing things about us. Thank you, everyone, for everything that you've been doing up to this point. But just remember, our goal is to get a little bit better each day. Little bit, little bit. At some point, we'll get a big bit. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.